Well, 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 good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. My name is Lisbon, and as I'm sure most of you guys already know, and I want to welcome you to our favorite, hopefully it's probably your favorite diaspora show, No Hot Smoke, where we bring you the up, down, and sideways truth about living life outside the motherland. And for those of you who are listening new and who might not be from the motherland, we refer to Africa as the motherland. And so we emphasize on the show the importance of remaining authentic in your diaspora experience. And it's our hope that you'll be able to relate to these stories that you hear on the show and you can take from it ways in which you can use your own diaspora experience to bring positive change or shine a positive light on your country or the motherland as a whole. Now, I'm really excited about today's show, so I'm not going to really try not to get ahead of myself. But with us today is one of my favorite people on social media. But before we get into that, we're going to do our acknowledgments. So I do want to thank those of you who listened to the last show and those of you who are listening you this week. Remember, if you don't catch an episode online, you can always go ahead and head to Shop Spotify. Definitely not Shopify, because I almost said Shopify. Head to Spotify and iTunes, and you'll find the sh new shows on there. You just look under the name No Hot Smoke. So for the newbies, right? The newbies of No Hot Smoke. What is this No Hot Smoke about? Because I've had a few people over the course of the past few weeks ask me about the show. So let me remind you about our name. It's No Hot Smoke. And it really came about because we aim to deliver information to our readers straight. Don't beat around the bush. We're not going to try and, you know, put icing on it and make it taste good. Although sometimes that might be helpful, but that's really not what we're here for. We don't blow hot smoke up your you-know-what. And so here in the U.S., it's an actual phrase, blowing hot smoke up somebody's butt uh, or somebody's behind. And we are definitely not all about that. Or you can look at it as, you know, we're not full of hot air. And so people that are full of hot air, they're just, you know, they have no substance. They're just, you know, big and puffy. But once you pop the once you pop them, you find out that there's nothing inside. They're about nothing. And so that's not what we're that's not us either. That's not what we're about either. So that's the name No Hot Smoke. For those of you that have been asking, thank you for asking. I will try and clarify it on every other show, though not every show. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Neroquete Projects Limited, which does one of my favorite things. As you guys know, I love traditional marriages. And so Neroquete specializes in helping to make the clothing side of your TM outside of Nigeria super fabulous. And so a lot of us will travel to Nigeria that are Nigerian to get the goods, the clothes, the shoes, the hats, the beaded and customized jewelry and all that other stuff. And it's quite a headache. Well, Neurokete does all that for you and they will deliver it right to your door outside of the U.S. without you having to even leave your house. So you can go ahead and give them a call at plus one, 832-510-8501, or you can find their information on our website. They will be our featured vendor for the month, so you'll be able to find the information on our website after this show. I do encourage you guys to keep writing in with suggestions and comments. We really appreciate those. And it makes us improve. It helps us improve the show, which is what we like to do. So you can go on our Facebook page, drop us a note there. Instagram, feel free. You can Instagram me directly at fun at Tick Aaron, or you can Instagram no hot smoke. Either way, we'll check it. So 
I wish I had a drum because I'd be like, and I do a little drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, in keeping with our theme, so a few weeks ago, we had a, uh, a guest, Mia Amusier, on the show, and she unpacked a few bubbling topics, one of which was the issue that is going on in Sudan. Now, before we didn't delve into that on the show because we wanted to devote an entire show to this issue. So we have a series called Spotlight, as you guys might know. And what Spotlight is meant to do is shine a very vivid and bright light on a particular country in the motherland. And this month of August, we chose to spotlight Sudan for so, so many reasons. And so I'm very pleased to announce that one of my favorite people on Instagram is here to speak with us. Somehow, you guys, I don't know. Somehow we got Shad Kadir to agree to be on the show with us. Hello. <laughs> I, which I'm super thrilled about. But I don't know how it happened. But uh, let's just call it, you know, the universe doing what it's supposed to do. So as you guys might know, when I introduce our guests, I always like to introduce them with fun facts. And so I'm going to introduce Shad as, you know, I'm going to give you her typical, you know, resume cut and dry she's a social media influencer if you guys don't already know and she's a founder of a social media company which i really liked it's called micro new york and it's a boutique social media and influencer marketing agency for women and the for women part is what really struck me i was like hmm and so if you go on the micro new york instagram page you'll see you know these fun little quotes fun little quotes explains what uh an influencer is which i mean i didn't really know what an influencer was i'm somebody who has a lot of followers not not really so but most importantly to me she's an activist and she might not consider herself to be an activist but activism takes on many definitions and many forms and so that's really why she's on the show today so shad welcome to the show Hello. thank you so much for having me and that was such a really nice introduction <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I was like, who are you talking about? Is that me? You're like, is that me? Yes, that, it's I am you. that? <laughs> yeah, you are, you are that. So oh, thank you so, so much. That was very sweet. Oh, you're welcome. But I, so I want to tell people how we even met in the first place. So the, when I was doing the show, and I, I told you this when I spoke to you, but for those of us, the, for the listeners who were not on, who were not listening to the show, what was it, five weeks ago? When I was doing the show on that Nia was on, we were unpacking a few topics and I was doing research prior before and I was doing my research, do, 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 just, you know, chugging at the computer. And one of my things that I was researching was, you know, things that are going on in Africa. And in particular, I wanted to focus on the right side of the continent. So that's from the top all the way down. And mm -hmm. Sudan was on my feed, and so I clicked on it because I had known in April that Bashir was ousted. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that don't that are not aware, the let me just geographically, when I say Sudan, we're gonna say Sudan, Sudan all over this uh this podcast interview conversation chit chat whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and when we say Sudan, we're referring to the Republic of Sudan. So as you Sudan split South Sudan. So there's Sudan and there's South Sudan. South Sudan split from Sudan in 2011. Mm -hmm. And so when people say Sudan, they're not referring to South Sudan. They're referring to the Republic of Sudan, which you could call it technically North Sudan, but that's not its name. But I know that some people, because I've been talking to some people about the Shoshan, and when I say Sudan, they're like, which Sudan? I'm like, 
the only so fan. Sorry. There's only so sorry. You do that again. You're allowed to cough. Do that again. <laughs> like you were talking about North Sudan, and I was like choking. So do that. North Sudan. <laughs> so so I, it's all right. You don't know, but I'm not gonna cut that part out. Okay. No but, problem. Uh, so when we say Sudan, we're talking about not South Sudan. We're talking about the northern part of Sudan. And, and I think so- that's a really important thing to point out. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, when people ask me where I'm from, I usually say I'm from both Sudan. Mm. Um, because I was born when, I mean, in 93, it was one country. Um, in 2011, it's two different countries. So now it's like, oh, you know, I, I, you know, I actually haven't thought about how that impact, like how mm-hmm. politically correct for me to say I'm from both Sudan is. Um, I love that, but, you though. know. Yeah, I mean, I love that you say that because Mm -hmm. now it's split, but you guys all used to be one. And so it it still shows your connection to both and your um, your humanity and your identity with both. And I think I think that's very beautiful. And I'm really glad you brought that up. I didn't I didn't know that's how you refer to it. I mean, if you um, were cool before, you're much cooler now. Oh, my God. Thanks so much. Um. (laughs) But the the Sudan thing, uh, I think most people still have the old map where it was the south wasn't seceded, so it's not like cut off. The newer one uh, is being sold now, I think, or created and so on and so forth. And I was actually talking about this with someone in Sudan, my friend, who actually, I don't know if you've read my post, but my friend who (laughs) was actually in hiding. And we were talking about the old map and the new map and how that we are still like holding on to the one um Sudan mm. the original map figure shape and that the new one we're unable to like we're unable to like not even just accept it but it's like it's really hard to look at it's really hard to get used to it's really hard to conceptualize mm. um, and what we actually agreed upon was that what are the next generations gonna think, especially the kids that were born in 2011, right? Like yeah. the generation that like was born that year and knows nothing besides the new map and the Sudan and South Sudan. Um, I don't have, I haven't like really created any opinion around that, but I always think about that to be quite honest whenever I look at my map. All that the is time. that is a good point. I you know these I come from a country that's still together. So those yeah. are not things that I necessarily think about, but I mean, because yeah, when people look at it, because Sudan was big. Well, I mean, when it was north and south, right. it was it was huge. And right. even with the south being South Sudan, it's still big. I mean, Sudan is right. it's not a small country. And Absolutely. so, for those of you who might not know, Sudan sits underneath Egypt. Let me get my geography straight. So you have on the right side, you have Egypt. Underneath it, you have Sudan. Then to the right of Sudan, you have. Uh, Eritrea or Eritrea, some people might call it. And then yeah. to the left, upper left of Sudan, I believe, is Libya. And then mm-hmm. you go down from Libya, you got Chad. Yes. And you go catty corner from Chad, you got the Central African Republic. Yeah. And that's where Sudan stops. Some people might be used to Sudan bordering uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, but that is now South Sudan. So it's yes. you know, Uganda, yes. DRC bordering uh, South Sudan. So, um, Yay! My dad would be so proud of me. That. Yeah, that was really perfect. 
My dad is like a geography history buff nerd. He was so proud of me. African parents? You know what? It's so true. Not to get <laughs> like right now my dad is sleeping, but if I was like Abu, what's to the right of Sudan? He'd be like, chat. I'm like, okay. I mean, Eritrea, uh, sorry. That was my, my not knowing my left from right. But if I was like, if I like tap her, I'm like, what is to the right of Sudan? He'd be like, Eritrea, leave me alone. I want to sleep. Oh, you know, so like, so I, I'm serious. They, they really know everything. And if I was, I don't know. I, I, I think it's good. I did not take any geography classes in my life. I really have to say none. Wow, that's impressive. Zero. I had that. to learn everything on my own. I had, like, I remember I went through a period of time where I was like, I had the maps on my walls. I was like, really obsessed with Africa wow. so much. Yeah. I, like, I bought this necklace right from Sudan, and it, like, and I think it's gotten really popular as a reason. You probably have seen it. It's the, uh, this gold, like, small gold pendant of the shape of Africa without Madagascar. Yeah, um, without Madagascar. That is... I know, I know. It's, it's, I don't know, I don't know. But I, I think it's more of like practicality. They couldn't connect the island. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's so true. they just like made the continent. Um, and it has like the little like Nile River flowing. And it used to have a heart where the Nile was or, or either a heart or a diamond, like a small like rhinestone. Um, and I got my first one in Sudan in Adbara State, and I paid like, I swear to God, maybe it was a penny or like maybe something like less than a penny. Um, and I'm a really good bargainer, so I was bargaining with the guy, and he was like, he's just so confused, like, <laughs> he's like, who like, are you? This is already cheap, like, why do you need to go cheaper? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, but I remember I got it, and everybody after that, I've seen it everywhere, everywhere. And I actually just saw it yesterday when I was up in Harlem. But the point is, I had that one, and I had the, the Africa map on my wall, and I had, like, the Sudan uh, map on my wall. And mm. I made sure that I had, like, that I memorized all the African states, and I would go on to, like, the internet and do these tests, like, oh wow, about, like, where... Oh, you're hardcore. Yeah, like, where the African country is, what is the capital of the country is, and so on and so forth. I think I forget it now, because... So hardcore. I'm like, when I was 25, up until the last day when I was 25 years old, I was okay, I could remember everything. So hardcore. The next day, I turned 26 and I forget everything. <laughs> I cannot remember anything. I don't know why. So now I forgot it. But you know, I think I have a good sense, a good general sense. You know, there's that sliding scale in your twenties where you're so bright, and then you just and then we really, we really have to make like active. We really have to be active about retaining whatever it is that yes. we've learned. Or it's one, why does that not, why does that happen? And so, why does nobody tell you that that happened? They like, don't. Adulting. Until the last day of my 25th year, I was good. Like, yeah. I can say, you can tell me, like, a bunch of things. I will retain all that information without having to write anything down, without having to, like, like think about it, without having to reiterate it or anything like that. I was good. The next day was my birthday, and since that day, it's been downhill. I have to write <laughs> everything. I yes. can't remember anything. I want to know why that is. I thought it was it, it, I thought it was just you're like oh my gosh if only they knew <laughs> I thought it was just a me thing and then I realized that it wasn't and then I felt a whole lot better oh 
okay, so. that makes me feel better because I'm just realizing that now. But like, just I have, you I wait. Have 10, I have ten notebooks on me at all times. You're With in for something. Notebook, you're, you're in for something when you're 33. Just you wait. Don't, don't. Oh my don't. god, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have like a social media notebook, but also like a daily tasks notebook for like my like house or whatever, and then I have like a notebook for work, work, and I have like. That's I just have to literally write everything, and sometimes it could be so bad that I have to write transcription. Like, no, I'm like, oh, what is yeah. wrong with me? You're more organized than I am, and uh, I'm not saying I'm the most organized person. But people come and they're like, "Why do you have so many notebooks?" I'm like, "I have four because I want to <laughs> write down the ama- <laughs> like, what do you mean so many? But most people don't carry around <laughs> notebooks, so it makes me look kind of. <laughs> but anyway, so. Yeah. You, you guys see why I like her so much? This is Shad, you guys. This oh is Shad Hadir. And so I was scrolling through my feed and I, you know, I was going down the Sudan rabbit hole, right? I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And, you know, hearing about Bashir was gone on April 11th and then the military was doing their shenanigans. And, um, uh, so I'm like scrolling. This is in June, going down the Sudan rabbit hole, right? Just looking, looking, looking. And I stumble upon a post on instagram now it was in an article about the issues in sudan and this was when they're having the blackout and not a lot of people were talking about it this was before you'll see now a lot of people have their uh what's it called their profile picture blue and this was before that became a trend so there was there was a blackout in sudan for those of you who didn't know uh, no access to media zero the only way i knew what was going on is because there's somebody on bbc that was that was telling me what was going on but the people in sudan had zero access to media so no way of getting their voice out there is a picture if you guys google sudanese voices or just google uh voices during a sudanese crisis you'll see a picture of this lady she's standing on top of a car she's wearing hijab it's a white hijab very regal very majestic and she has a crowd of people around her she has her hand raised and she is you know speaking to the protesters and it is so captivating so it was in that whole realm so i stumbled upon shot's post and she did what was called an off-brand post which i'll be honest i had no clue what an off-brand post does until i read her post and she did this off-brand post apologize to her sponsors that she's doing this off-brand post and but she said i just got to get this off my chest things are happening in my country i'm, I'm paraphrasing and she had it was a video i read the caption and the caption was so, uh, what's the word? It was so captivating that if you didn't watch the video, you would have left with the feeling of, oh my goodness, where have I been that I do not know this? But, and then I watched the video and she was crying and she was talking about what was happening. And I said to myself, why are we not talking about this? And then you go on to find that there were other, she had a, you had a friend who died, right? Shad? You had a friend who died. Um, there were other, there are other Sudanese people on social media that were, I'll call them activists that were talking about it, but why are we not talking about this? And so I'm like, you know what, this is the kind of person we need to have on the show. And we need you to tell us why we need to be talking about these things that are happening in Sudan, because I, I have found that a lot of people, and I'm going to speak for Africans, Africans tend to be. I'm from this country. I care about this country and that's it. Mm-hmm. 
And we do not step outside the bounds of our, let me say, outside of the, our colonial borders to care about what is happening in other countries. And I think that is a very, very, very dangerous flaw because when you fail to realize that we are all the same, there's no way you're going to be able to affect positive change in somebody else's life that doesn't look like you. And particularly for Africans, I think it's very important because Africa is, people call it the last frontier. People call it, you know, they have so many names for Africa. It was the last frontier. You know, Africa is where it's going to be. And if we can just learn to get our stuff together, imagine how beautiful it could be. But I think it all starts with recognizing the humanity in somebody else that doesn't look like you. And so that's where you come in, Shot. That's where you I come feel in. Like, I feel like. This is really, 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 really important. And I think the African people have been systematically trained in a way that we don't think of each other as one continent and one group of people or united in any type of way. Mm-hmm. We sit and we think, oh, I'm from this country and there's like, like nationalism that is happening, but it's actually crippling us. I remember mm-hmm. when I was an undergrad, there was this professor, and if I'm not mistaken, his name was Dr. Maz Rui, and he was an amazing, he was inspirational for me, and it's because he pushed for a united African, mm. a united African, not front, but like, <clears throat> a united African connection, or, I want to say union, but I don't want to say the African union, because that's yeah. in place already, but he really pushed for a united African people, society, civilization, And changed the narrative from Africa, or in my mind, because at the time, I was young and and I didn't know. And so he really blew my mind when I studied him. And his his studies and his concentration was, Africa doesn't need the other parts of the world. It's actually vice versa. And Africa is very self-sustaining. And those nations within Africa, those sovereign states, cannot take care of themselves if they were to be united in some way through some system that he obviously, you know, he passed away and he rest in peace. He wasn't able oh. to, oh my God, did he pass away? I, really have, I don't want to give wrong information, so. Yeah. I am just what was your major, to, if I may ask? Um, I studied political science, actually. There you go, guys. There yeah. you go. Well-rounded uh, individual right here. Thank you so much. I appreciate he passed away. I'm, but, um, I mean, like you said, if he did, may his soul rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but the last but, time I studied him, and I remember he was so inspirational because he did have this idea of a united African um, society, or not even society, like a political system. And it was really important because it did give the insight that, like, no, you know, Africa doesn't need aid from, like, outside non-profit organizations and, and people going in there to touch up and, like, help people in, in Africa and, like, you know, change their lives or so on and so forth because they're so, like, in poverty and they have so many diseases. Mm. And not a lot of people know about Dr. Nigeria. And for me, a couple of years ago when I was, like, going through a crisis and my influencer career wasn't where I wanted it to be because um, I was just, like, in my head and whatever. I was applying for my PhD, and I remember I like my personal statement was like, I want to be that scholar 
that changes this narrative just like Dr. Majuri and, and, and mm. brings a united kind of African thing. So I've actually studied and I was obsessed with this for a really long time. And I think it's really, 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 really hard when your identity has been stripped down from Strip, you yep. as, and, and it was given to you in a different way. So it's given mm. to you as like, you need, you know, the aid of people from the outside. You're not, you know, you're poor, you're, you're full of diseases, your country, mm-hmm. you know, you, your food, like everything is wrong with your yes. educational system and your medical system and you need to get aid from the West and from the outside world. And that is not true. That is not true. I think Africa is very self-sustaining. They have so many powers, but then, um, how do, I mean, they have so many, they have so many capabilities and resources. Yeah. And resources. It's unbelievable. So do you unable to use those things? So do you think that if there was a uh, more of a united front uh, within Africa, that things that are going on in Sudan right now, do you how do you do you think that more people would not necessarily not only care about it but be united in some way? Yeah, but have an interest to do something about it because I mean the aid that's coming in is from Saudi Arabia and um, UAE. But underneath, there are, what of, what of all the other countries that surround it? Now, I understand they have, they have their own issues, but yes. there is this, you know, there, there are a lot of Muslims, for those of you who are listening that might not know, there are a lot of Muslims in Sudan, and there are also a lot of Christians in South Sudan, but there are also non-Muslims in Sudan as well, the the country that we're talking about right now. But I noticed that with UAE and Saudi Arabia, there's I, there's this kind of Arab identity. And so why, if there was an African identity, I think the same thing would happen. You would have aid coming in from other parts of Africa into Sudan. I mean, is that, would you agree? I would agree. And this is why like the African Union stance has been so pivotal. Oh, excuse me. Um, has been so pivotal during the Sudan revolution where they have suspended the Sudan's participation in the African Union. It's just not mm. to say that that doesn't do much. That's actually something that is so important because I don't think it was done before. It's really important. However, the Sudan leans more towards an, an Arab nation. When, mm-hmm. And in all honesty, most Sudanese people especially the youth of now and people that activists on social media and people just like myself, we don't identify as Arab. We mm. identify as African people who have been Arabized for a really long mm. time. So mm. we don't, and we, like, our, our language is Arabic. That's what we speak. But I really don't think that I'm Arab. I'm, I identify as African and a lot of people, I see that mentality of people in America and in Sudan and, and all over the diaspora. People are like, no, we are from Africa, but we speak Arabic. Um, and that's mm-hmm. the situation we're in. The older generation, the generation before us, or the gener- generation that raised us, or the one before, they are like, no, 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 we are Arab, we are Arab, we are not African, we are not Interesting. That. And it's really hard, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's so sad to think of. Um, and this is why I really think, uh, the international context in Sudan, especially within the, you know, the North Africa, Middle East, uh, region, is really important in the context of what happens in Sudan. Um, mm-hmm. And as much support that is being given to the country by those neighboring countries really does affect that. And most of these people are, we, we want to 
a more African identity, I'm not going to lie. Like, most of these people, especially of my generation, yeah, coming generations, and it's because we've been through it. We, we, we yep. see what it's like to kind of be like, oh, I want to be Arab, I want to be Arab. We're, we're almost that, and it doesn't and, work. Yep, doesn't um, The best example that I can give about a country like that was Turkey. Turkey was, for a long time, trying to be, a, you know, a European nation, and and you know, like, for a really long time, and they wanted to be part of NATO, and, like, mm-hmm. they kept having them change their, their like, laws and systems and rules and policies and all this in efforts to be a European nation and to join the, join NATO. It was the most important thing. And then Erdogan comes into office and he's like, if you're not going to accept us yeah. as we are, we are going to change our identity to an Eastern identity. And he did just that, and it started with his wife wearing hijab when hijab was, like, banned in public places, and people couldn't wear the hijab, um, and so on and so forth. And so I would hope, my hope, actually, is, like, one of the things that I would really hope for with this transition is that we move from an Arab, quote-unquote, identity to a more African identity. Yeah, so... Even the- though it's going to take years and years and years. So tell us about the transition. You mentioned mm-hmm. the transition. Um, so I know you're not after, in, in government, so. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, so after Omar Bashir was overthrown, there was a transitional military council set in place to run the country while, you know. Um, Called the TMC, like, as some people might know of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in efforts to run the country for a short period of time, and they suggested for like nine months. And then we can have elections so that we can have a democratically elected civilian-led government. That was the goal. However, there was a massacre on June 3rd where I lost one of my friends and I had another friend uh, be captured by the RSF, which are the rapid support forces, and they're a paramilitary group of the TMC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was captured and he went through the torture and I had no contact with people in my country and, and my family and my friends. and. I wasn't able to be in touch with people, and it was really, really hard to not be able to connect with people in 2019, in the most present time of the world in history or whatever, and I couldn't reach anybody, I've been calling and texting, and, and there was no way to reach anyone, and it was, there was no news coming out of the country, and that was because there was a complete media blackout, but also people can't, you can't share information that you cannot verify, and I think that was a really important point to bring into attention and so we didn't know what was going on in the country we were trying to get information you know we couldn't get any information out or in and so there's a complete media blackout complete internet blackout and it was to hide all the atrocities that the RSF paramilitary forces have been doing and wow. as a, you know all the casualties and all the you know sexual assault that has happened as a result and so on and so forth and it was such a stressful period of time. I'm so glad that we are past it. So and when, sorry to, go on, keep going. I'm like, I'm like sitting here riveted. I'm like, mm-hmm, just nodding my head like a student. Thank you. Um, so I'm so glad to like bring in any like sort of information. <laughs> so when you um, made that post, right, what oh, yeah. were you trying to communicate what were you trying to get out and for those of you who haven't seen the post you can go to hajjah salam on instagram and you can scroll down to i think it was in june you made that post no yes it was june. yeah um so i'll share more but actually 
what happened that made me post that post in, in all honesty. And so it was Ramadan, the whole month of Ramadan where we were fasting. And it was really hard because everybody's fasting, everybody is, um, it's this month of worship and everybody is very connected to God, um, and spirituality and things like that. And the day before, on June, on June, on June 3rd, it was the holiday of Eid. So it was the end of the holy month where people are celebrating and now we're going to eat at all hours of the day because we were fasting for long hours of the day and it's time to celebrate and I can't get in touch with my family. I can't get in touch with my friends. Mm. And it was, I was like, what is going on? I'm like freaking out. And, and before when I kept talking to my friends, and I actually knew what happened. The last time I spoke to my friend was two days before and he was whispering. And I said, why are you whispering? Wow. And he said, well, you know, I'm in hiding. And I said, why are you in hiding? And he said, well, you know, there's a lot of violence and people are being shot outside and a lot of gunshots. And wow. I'm hiding because I don't want to be caught. So I can't even talk on the phone. So we get wow. off the phone and I'm like, can you please send me your location just in case anything happens? And I don't hear anymore. I can't get in touch with my friends at all. And I don't know what's going on. So I'm like freaking out. And so the next day is Eid and like, you know, I have my outfit that is straight from Sudan. It's like I yeah. ironed it and like I, I, you know, went to the salon. I did my hair and I, you know, I'm so excited. I have my outfit ready. And the day of Eid comes and I'm like, what? Is, like, I don't feel like it's Eid. I feel like there's something yeah. going on. Right. That was the night of the massacre. I'm like, I don't feel like it's Eid. I'm not happy. I'm not celebrating. I'm not able. And one of the most important things that we do in Eid is we call our family back home to, you know, wish them a happy Eid because there's an eight-hour time difference. So I'm like, it's eight-hour time difference. I'm still unable to get in touch with anybody, and we can't even wish them a happy Eid. What is going on? Where is everybody? And I'm, like, losing my like my mind about this. And I'm dressed, and I have my makeup on, and I have, like, my Eid clothes, and I'm surrounded by my family, and I'm just, like, my heart is just, like, being torn apart because they don't know what's going on. I keep calling, keep texting, there's no contact. That was the night of the massacre. And then the next time I hear from my friend was like, and I'm looking everywhere. I am calling, mm. I'm texting, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm using like Google history location. I'm trying to find my friend in any way possible. And the, the way I found him was actually through his like friends or neighbors on Twitter who like what he was last with. So I had to go and like look at like what the last tweet was and where they were and who the person was and I had to message that person but that person wasn't answering because they were missing too because he was also with my friend and so like I had to go find a different source and so on and so forth and I, I mailed like or I tracked down one of his friend's brothers who then was telling This me is that. like a trek. This is like a trek from afar. And, and yes it was and it, and it was there is no internet so I don't know where the last time these people were. So for me, the last information I had was probably like from that Sunday or that Monday. And I'm tracking, I'm tracking, and I can't find anything, and I can't find anything. And I'm just, and I spent that whole day just like freaking out and like trying to find something. And then the next day, I go to work. And I'm like, this is unbelievable to me. I can't live this life where I am celebrating with my family, and then I'm, I'm going to my job the next day. I can't do it. There has to be, like what is going on, and I'm unable to concentrate at work, and I just keep checking 
social media. I'm checking social media. I'm checking social media. Refreshing every second. Like following every hashtag. I'm following everybody, every activist and people who are posting. And this picture shows up of my friend, and I'm like, oh, you know, like he has internet. How does he have internet? And I read the caption, and it was something like, <clears throat> caption was like, they murdered my my brother, and it was his friend talking. He said they murdered my brother. Oh my god, I can't believe it. Wow. And I'm like, I read it. I was just like, huh. I have tears in my eyes as you're talking. And oh my god, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. Because if if we don't, I'll be honest with you. If we don't, if when we hear what you're saying. If our heart doesn't tug somewhat, or if we don't at least, our eyes will begin to well, then that means we did not, we did not listen to what you were saying. We heard, but we didn't listen. Because I'm putting myself in your shoes and what's going on. Even if you put yourself in the shoes of the, shoes of the people in Sudan, there's no way your heart will not tug. There's just no way. There's no way. It's, that's it's really hard. It's really hard. Thank you so much for like even telling me that. Um, because even for me, when I was going through that, it, it took me a long time for it to hit me. Like, I didn't know all of this. Like, you know, like, yeah, my friend isn't hiding. But, like, in the wow. like in the moment, it was like, okay, my friend is hiding because he doesn't want to get caught. Because that's it. I didn't think far enough, like, oh, if, he's get, if mm. he was caught, he will end up dead. If he was caught, he will be beaten. If he was this, he will be that. And... I, I actually couldn't even think that far ahead because it was, it was too... I just, I, I feel like I couldn't have done that. I would have probably wow. drove myself crazy. And so I saw that post and I was there. I was like, I'm not, like, what does that even mean? Like, I read the mm-hmm. caption, but I didn't register in my mind. And I'm like, what? Like, what is, what are you like, and what, I what's going it, on? And I'm like, this is my friend. Wow. And I'm looking, and I just start to bawl my eyes out at my desk, and, wow. and I'm freaking out, and I run to the bathroom, and, you know, nobody, like, there was nobody there to really, like, hold my hand, or to, like, you know, give mm. me a hug, or to, like, rub my back and be like, it's okay, and be like, I'm sorry for your loss, or anything like that. I was just mm-hmm. devastated. I was crying like crazy, and... In all honesty, I took that photo to send to my sister because I didn't have words. I was just so affected and hurt and upset and like, mm-hmm. and I was going through so much in my mind and feeling so helpless as a person that I can't do anything in any way and that I lost a friend and my other friend, I can't track him down. I don't know what he is. And so I started to cry and I sent this picture to my sister to like maybe, she was sleeping at the time, I'm trying to like get her to see what I was feeling or like what I was going through and I posted it on my social media and I expected that to be the end of my social media career and I was thinking of back up no. the <laughs> yes and that's why like I apologize to all the sponsors and I apologize to all these people and because I mean honestly we, I know we don't like to talk about this and you know people think that influencers are just these dumb girls who like to go places and take pictures because they're so obsessed with themselves. But actually, it's a business. I'm running a business. And yeah. to be able to say, well, no, I have to stop the work that I have to be sending in and all the campaign activations and all the work that I have to uh, post about at a specific period of time, because there's a whole math behind, you know, influencers and, and content and branded content and campaigns and monetization. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. It's a whole 
crazy realm of like a whole different world and to oh, be able wow. to say no i know you I, I gave you my word and i promise and i said that i am available to post something at a specific time and this is a business again it's something personal it's like a whole business and to say like no i cannot after i've signed a contract mm-hmm. and i've signed an agreement with you and say something like i can't do that anymore I'm sorry, or I'm I'm putting my editorial calendar on on hold. That's affecting my business. I lost yeah. so much business, and you know it. Like I'm not, I, I don't regret it, or I don't feel bad about it. And honestly, I'm glad it, that I did that because now I know who not to work with anymore. Yeah, but that was really important. So I did that, and I was expecting that to be just the end of it. I thought brands would tear me apart. My what was their reaction? Was so. I know what the reaction was when you go when you Google your name. I mean, CNN, The Cut, uh, Yahoo, uh, every possible like you're like who who is this person? Yeah, no, it was an overwhelming amount of Teen Vogue. Yeah, it was crazy. It was an overwhelming amount of like I don't even know. Would you say support? Like, exactly support and interest. And yeah. I never, I never expected that. I did not know people would really be interested. I really thought I was making this post and not to the end of that post. Mm. But people were very interested. And I, so many news and media outlets and they contacted me for interviews and for, um, correspondence and for, you know, to write in something. And it was really touching to really know that really people do want to learn about what's going on in Sudan and they do want to support. They just don't know what's going on. And in the digital age, it's really hard to get information because most people, and I'm one of those people, I go, I wake up, I go to work, and, you know, I have my lunch, I, like, deal with my social, my coworkers, they come home, and mm-hmm. I want to be compressed. I, I don't want to, you know, it's not I don't want, if I want to look at some pretty pictures on, you know, on social media or watch some trash TV to, like, wind down and go to sleep to do this, you know, then go back into my same routine the next morning. Mm-hmm. But when something so big as a whole revolution in a country that's been under a military dictatorship for 30 years. My entire life. He's like the only president yes. I've known my, and I'm, I'm a little bit over 30, but Bashir has been in power my, since I was a kid. Mine as He's well. The only. I do not know any president or any government or any, anything besides the Bashir. Yeah. And so. It's kind of crazy. So when exactly. you when you saw that when you saw the, uh, the 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 overwhelming response of encouragement and support that you got, and did you how I don't think people expected you to use your platform to make that kind of a statement, but you did. So how can people who might not necessarily have a big platform like you, or they're just you know everyday people, but they care deeply about certain issues? Maybe let's just say. Some people might, there are some people that are not Sudanese that care deeply about what's going on in Sudan, but they don't know how to begin helping. And apart from going to donate to, you know, GoFundMe or donate mm-hmm. to the aid agencies, what do you think normal people, I'm going to say, I'm putting normal people in quotes, but what do you think everybody else can do? Let me not say normal people, but. I think, I think, every, so I was never always a big influencer, you know, I, this yeah, happened very recently. Of course. But at that, but I do think that we are all influencers in our daily lives. You mm-hmm. influence your sisters and your brothers and your kids and your husband and your coworkers and so on and so forth. You mm-hmm. have some sort of influence. 
Mm-hmm. And I know it's a buzzword in 2019 to use influence and influencer, and like there's a whole different aspect and idea or or a definition we have for the word influence. But literally, like really, the word influence is just being able to share information with other people that they will follow or take into consideration or use as guidance to do something else. Because mm-hmm. I think we all have that ability within our community, as small as it is and as big as it is. So it starts with yourself and then like your friends and your family and it goes out to like, your work and acquaintances Absolutely. and so on and so forth. And then it goes into social media. Some people have hundreds of followers and some people have like a few like 10, 20s and some people have millions and thousands and so it ranges and it's yeah. just you being able to share information and being able to educate yourself to educate others is what matters it doesn't matter if you have a thousand followers or a hundred thousand followers yeah. it's not really important what's important is that you're sharing accurate information and that you're spreading awareness and i think that's so important because if we didn't spread awareness we would i don't even know i can't even imagine what we would be or what would be going on in Sudan. I can't, I can't imagine. I truly cannot at all. And I only think of the worst. I can't even think of things getting better if it wasn't for social media and all my mind of people telling other people and talking about it with other people. Excuse me, with other people. Like I've spoken with people on the street, I've spoken with people on the bus, I've spoken with people at my job, mm. at the, like the deli counter, at the bodega, mm. like all of it. I've done it. I've been talking about Sudan with everybody but also like some people are like oh my god i really didn't know thank you so much for telling me and some people are like yeah i've been following on social media and some people are like yeah well you know i saw my friend change it to blue like what does that even mean and it's starting that conversation is so important to get anything done and if you've people for a long time like you don't have to come to new york city to the to the uh to the march that's taking place at the u.s what you can do is you can organize something in your community with the Sudanese diaspora you can mm. donate your funds if you're unable to. When there was no internet, I was telling people to literally donate phone cards so people can call internationally to their friends and family. It costs $2 to get like a prepaid card that you would scratch off, put the code into your phone, and have your, you know, it's so simple. You can help in so many ways. You don't have to, you know, you can help with like sending a dollar. You know, you can help by resharing a post. You can help by yes. telling someone to tell someone. And, and I kept saying, like, tell a friend to tell a friend, or tell a friend to tell two friends, or tell a friend and tell three friends. The more you spread awareness, it is so important. And yes. spreading the word is so, 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 so important. Yeah. I'm, I'm writing this down because I, I like the phrase, tell a friend to tell a friend. I mean, I, I love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. Because it all starts with, it's like a trickle, right? Exactly. And then the, before you know it, you have a, a freaking river. And then exactly. river flows the into the ocean. Effect, right? Yes. You push one to push one to push one, and like you influence one to influence them to influence one, and you tell them. And so we can reach. I my insights are unbelievable from that post. Millions, millions of people. Yes. Can you count to a million? I I cannot. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, Bob. I so it'll take I a while. Cannot, Conscious right? effort. So, Imagine having like my insights were like eight million, you know, seven million, seven million ninety nine. Wow. Amounts of millions, and it's individual. It's not. It's not like one post that circulated a million and whatever times. No, it's these millions of people individually from all over the world have come and like. And people come from 
everywhere. Sending wow. me messages like, oh my god, I live in this country and we're just learning about this. Or I live in this country and we never knew about this. Yeah, I have people sending me the articles in different languages. I have them sending me things, um, videos and screenshots of things in different languages. And so it was really important to know that, it, like, we were really doing something by changing our profile pictures blue, by sharing yes. information, by yes. spreading it as much as possible. Yes. And I'm, I'm so glad that has happened so do you with all this that you're doing i mean yeah yeah i know i know people call you an influencer but you're getting out there you're talking almost everywhere you go about this issue you mentioned the bodega uh your co-workers the bus would mm-hmm. you consider yourself an activist i would i mean i don't I've crossed that line between, mm-hmm. like, influencer, advocate, activist, and mm. I guess I would say myself, I would, yeah, I would label myself as an activist, but it's it's not just an activist for Sudan, I've been an activist for so many things. Yes. Like, I can talk forever, like, talking is my hobby, so if anybody <laughs> will give me, like, two seconds of their time, I will be an advocate for someone and something and be an activist for a cause. If you will let, let me speak. Sometimes I even just talk and people sometimes don't even listen. And so, like, I think it's, if you care about something and, yeah. and you have the right information, sometimes you can care about something, have misinformation, and that yeah. is counterintuitive. That does not do anything for us. But if you have the right information and you have the time and the platform or the ability to or the chance, do it. And if you care mm-hmm. about it, don't do it because it's going to get you more followers and don't do it because it's going to get your check. That is disgusting. Right. That is disgusting. And that's actually, like, another part of the Sudan Revolution, um, the Blue for Sudan that has happened. It was, like, Sudan meals, right? Um, where yes. it was, like, you know, these Instagram accounts that popped up, like, yeah, follow us, we'll do this, give us a shout-out, we're going to give 100 meals, but you don't have a plan. Mm. You know, like, when, when you ask questions, they don't have a plan, they don't have any, like, they're not registered as a non-profit, they're not, so it's, like, are you, what's going to happen is they're eventually going to change the name of that account, and turn it into whatever, like, they sell it. So that's, a, that's actually a booming business. It's to go on Instagram and to sell it to, like, a, a startup, right? Like, for, I don't know, like, like a, a bag line that's just coming out, a T-shirt company that's just coming out. I'm learning like so that. much right now. I'm learning Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. And this is why, really, like, I want to go back to that thing I said. Well, like, people think influencers are just these, like, Stupid girls who have nothing to do all day long besides sit picture, uh, take pictures and sit on like Wi like Wi Fi, having Wi Fi parties, sitting next to each other. They're so stupid. They can't even talk to each other. They have to be on their phones. Like you know, they have to follow each other. But it's really like it's a crazy world of like marketing and digital media and social media and influencers and things like that. Um, and, wow. Yeah, and so like. This, you know, people do that, and they did do that, and they were exposed, so I think they, like, de- now they deleted the accounts, and they're not working, and so, like, if you were to search it, it would, you would have, like, 50 or, like, 100 accounts come up, all trying to exploit this revolution so that they can gain followers, so then they can, like, monetize later on. Wow. And so, I think it's really important, if you care about a cause, and you want to call yourself an activist, mm-hmm. make sure you really, really care about the cause, and That's the right. reason for it so what are your reasons like when i started being an you know an influencer in 2016 right all i wanted to do was to help women mm-hmm. i had these problems i 
I'm not able to find the foundation my 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 skin color. I that wouldn't mm-hmm. turn orange because it oxidized and that wasn't too um ashy and gray because it was it had a white you know like it, he's a cool undertone on there mm-hmm. right um and you know like i wanted to be able to wear clothes as a hijabi that were cute mm-hmm. but i mm-hmm. didn't need to wear like 10 layers right i didn't want to wear a body shirt in the summer mm-hmm. and then a dress and then like pants under it or like you know so it was really hard and it was like exhausting and like it was really discouraging and unnerving for a really big period of time and then when I like, I didn't solve everything. I said, I don't have the answers. I'm still like trying to figure things out as I go because the world changed since 2015. But my goal was to help women. Mm. As a, that, that was my number one thing as an influencer. And then from there on, I defined my message. But then until today, my goal is to help women. Yes. You know, yes. Like that's what, like, if women can't find, you know, the, 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 if you need help trying to find like a hijab that frames your face well, you know, I will yeah. help you with that. If you're trying to figure out, you know, where to donate for Sudan, yeah. here's the link I will give it to you. If you need more information about a certain topic that I can help you with, I will do it. If you need some help about like you want my diet, I'll give it to you. Because you know I'm on this like whole lifestyle change. Yes, what you I are. So my my whole thing and this is what I care about is helping people. I don't really care about having the being the most popular or being, you know, like very rich. You know, these are added things that do help the business or whatever. But it's not my goal. Like when I started I wanted to help people and when I made that post, I wanted to keep to help people by educating them about what's going on in Sudan. And I think you can be an activist for anything as long as your heart is in the right place and you have the accurate information and that's it. You so go you- outside out of the street and talk to random people who just like, oh my god, this crazy lady. Yeah. But just, if you care, you will give that information. Yeah, you mentioned two things. You mentioned heart, information, and to get the right information, a few minutes ago, you had mentioned asking questions. When you go online and you see these people that are saying, hey, I can do this if you donate to me. But when you ask questions, you find out they're not even a registered nonprofit and things like that. And so I think it's very important. I really wanted to highlight that for our listeners that when you if you are listening to this and you're and you're just so moved to do something, don't just do something because the person that's on Instagram says they're going to provide X result. You got to verify. And Shot said, got to ask the questions, ask them questions and see what their answers are. And accurate info that'll give you the accurate information that you need and so i really wanted to emphasize that um i want to say thank you a very hearty thank you you guys it's she has a busy schedule and you might guys might hear crickets in the background that's because it is early in the morning and she's like you know what i'm gonna make this call and i 1000% 1000% appreciate that. I know there's no such thing as you can't have a thousand percent, but let's come on people. Let, let's, don't, don't send us just say you can't technically you can't have a thousand. You know what I mean? Just, just take it for what it is. But I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank this amazing woman who is, and I consider her a budding activist and somebody who I know is going to do really, really good things. And so I can't wait to see what kind of change you produce in the world, Shaw, because I know it's going to be really, really good. And so I'm really honored to have you on the show. 
I mean, so, so many ways to donate and to get involved. If you can't do the funds, something as simple as a social media hashtag would be immensely helpful. So you have Sudan underscore uprising, you have Sudan uprising, and you have blue for Sudan. You can change your profile picture to blue, and that works just as well. And so I want to thank you again to Shaw. Thank you for those of you who guys listened. We will be continuing the spotlight series. So tune in to see what countries we profile in the coming months. But every second and fourth Saturday of the month, we will broadcast here. And you can also find us on Spotify and iTunes. I don't really know exactly why I said it in that way, but you know, the whim just seized me. So I hope that from this episode, you guys can take away a few ways in which how you can use your diaspora experience in your own capacity to lend positive change, a positive voice really, and hopefully in the long run, affect positive change to what is going on right now in Sudan. Thank you guys so much. God bless you.